episode number 61, panel discussion of the future of storytelling online at the 2008 National Storytelling Network Conference. Thank you, my dear brother. What a beautiful soul. All children love stories. Folk tales. They are messages from our ancestors. Then you have come to the right place. We will have a storyteller in every school. Storytelling can teach. You have that openness of a child. Good on you, Eric, for doing what you're doing. That's a great question. Thank you. I'm inspired just to be here. I'm really honored to be here. We tell stories. Know yourself. Follow your passion. And live with grace. Hey, welcome to the Art of Storytelling with Children. I am so glad that you could make it here with us wherever you are, over the internet, over the waves. I don't care if you're sitting in China right now and you're listening to the show. I want you to know that right now we are, we are recording this show live at the National Storytelling Network Conference. And I am filled in a room with my friends and I am just so thankful and grateful that they have all come here today to spend a little time with me and my panel. I want to just pause for a moment and just remind you all that I thank you so much for being a member of the National Storytelling Network and also for being someone who cares about storytelling because I have a passion too for storytelling. Now you may see me walking around and I may seem a little scattered and I may even forget who you are, but that's just me, okay? (laughs) It's no reflection of you. It's the way I'm built. This is why I have this podcast because I can handle these controlled situations, but sometimes the social networks, I just go, I want to crawl away in a corner. So if I walk up to you, as I did to Christine earlier today, who's a good friend of mine, and say, hey, Charlotte, (laughs) Um, don't take it personal, it's just me. Today, we're going to be talking about the internet. We're going to be talking about what is going to happen with the internet and how the internet is going to change the world. We're going to be talking about what's going on right now. Now, the thing that's interesting about the Internet, if I try to tell you what's going to happen online in six months, you know, the title of this panel is kind of a joke. It's really a joke. To know what's going to happen on the Internet, if I could tell you what's happening, I would be a millionaire in 20 days. If I knew what's happening in six months, I would just be rocking and rolling. So I don't. But I can tell you what's happening right now. And as far as I'm concerned, for many people in the room... That's the future, because you haven't encountered it yet. (laughs) Right? So if I can just tell you what's going on right now, then I'm telling you about your future. Now, I've invited a bunch of really amazing panel members onto the show, and I'm really excited about them and thrilled to have them coming on. Um, They're already in the bios, and so I'm just going to have them each introduce themselves so that their voices can become familiar to our listeners who should also be able to read their bios on the website. Um, So go ahead and just introduce yourselves. Go down the line. I'm Rachel Hedman, and I have a blog called Voice, a Storyteller's Lifestyle, and I've actually had that for uh, ever since August of 2006, and I post it semi-monthly, storytellingadventures.blogspot.com. I'm Robert Kikuchi Ngoho of Ethnotech, and I have finally launched my first podcast called Once a Pod a Time. And it's, uh, the podcast is located at www.ethnotech.org slash podcast. 
I'm Mary Margaret O'Connor. I'm with iTales.com, and we sell storytellers' digital stories online. My name is Fred Crow. <coughs> I'm from Ireland. Uh, I've been running an internet business since 1995 called speech-writers.com. We sell generic sets of speeches. My wife and I, we have them in about eight languages, and my colleague here on the right would be delighted to know that we've launched two days ago a Japanese website where we're now teaching the Japanese how to speak. I'm not a storyteller. I'm not even a speechwriter, so I, but I claim to know a little bit about the Internet because I have had a lot of experience. So I met Fred yesterday, and he very kindly agreed to, to replace Karen Chase, who wants you all to know that she had um, a death in the family and couldn't be here. She did kindly consent to giving out that wonderful handout that I gave out to the first 35 people who came in the door. Um, if you didn't get it, you can go to her website, which is storybug.net, I believe. So let's go on from here. Let us explore the Internet. Before we start really looking at the Internet and what's going on online, I just want to tell you, I want, you, I want us to do a little visualization. So I'd like everybody in this room to close your eyes. You are not a 21st century American. No. You are a 19th century American. You're on your horse. Yes, women rode horses back then. You're on your horse and you are riding down out of the valley to go to town to see a relative. You don't get out much. You have a farm. And you're riding down out into the, into the valley there and you come into town, you tie up your horse and you look and you see an amazing thing coming down the road at you. You see a wagon with no horses. And you look at it and you just think to yourself, wow, somebody let that wagon loose and it's rolling down the hill and it's rolled a long way and it's keeping rolling down the hill and down the road. And then suddenly you realize that there's someone at the wheel of the wagon and they're steering it. And you think, that's a horseless carriage. Now, imagine you are someone who has never heard of the radio. There's a great scene in Brother... Where out thou? Where they go into, you go into this building and you're a singer or a storyteller and they say, hey, we'll pay $10 to sing or tell a story into this box. And you think, oh, that's so cool. So you're like, 10 bucks, great. So you tell a story and you think, those fools, they gave me $10 for no reason. And then you're walking by somebody else's house, some rich person in town, and you hear your own voice coming out of their house. Your own voice. And you're like, Whoa, what happened? And they say, that's the radio. Now open your eyes. We are in the midst of a revolution. A revolution so radical and so amazing that we're not even going to know the end of it for approximately 200 years. It's the internet revolution. And it's changing the world so fast that every six months, there are companies, Google, example A, right? Went from zero worth value Right? To billions in just a few short years. My hope is that you will learn a few tips, that you will have an exposure to this new paradigm. I do not really hope that, you know, you will become internet savvy in one hour. You know, <laughs> we'll just, ooh, let's get in here and everything will work. You know, it's not going to work like that. But by exposing ourselves to this new idea, suddenly we can see the horseless carriage for what it is, which is the automobile. You know, by exposing ourselves to new ideas, suddenly we can understand how the radio can serve us as opposed to take advantage of us. 
one of the key things that happens to storytellers is that we're afraid. I've had three storytellers turn me down from my podcast, not because they didn't have a good reason, but just because they were scared of the technology. They had, no, no, don't, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. They were afraid because they had a bad experience. They went to a festival, they were recorded somewhere at a library, and that MP3 file got on the internet, and before they knew it, there were thousands of copies circling all over the place. Right? Now, honestly, I think that's awesome. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, go for it. You know, record my live performance, put it out there, but don't you sell my CDs because they're copyrighted. You know, and as long as we work it out beforehand and talk about it, it's fine with me. In fact, I have a podcast called Fairy Tales Forever. I'll plug it right now. Fairy Tales Forever. You go on iTunes, you type in Fairy Tales Forever, and you can listen to, I think right now it's 14 stories of mine that I've created free. I have one third of all my CDs on there. And I'll talk more about that during my time with the panel. So I'm going to turn you over. Um, Robert? Great. As in all great experiments, there's the guinea pig. And uh, I'm on as the the non-technical kind of guinea pig, because I'm not very technical. I love my toys. I love my MacBook Pro. Get one. They're great. I don't go through manuals. What I do is I open it up, push on, and start pushing buttons. And that's how I learn. I'm a kinetic, uh, touchy, tactile learner. So I don't know about, much about technology. I don't really care how it works. I don't care about you know writing HTML. I just want to get to work, push the button. And so I need help in this field. That's why I, 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 that's why I came to this panel, and that's why I'm on it, is, as that uh, person who has lots of questions. And I think for all of you who are beginners in this, or at least in the intermediate stage, it's really you want to start cre- creating a litany of questions. You know, what do I need this for? What can I use it for? What's the purpose of it? And um, how can I get help with this? And as you know, there is a generation gap, and there are scores and scores of people in your community that are about from age 12 to age 23. They can help you, and they want to help you, right? Because they want the car keys. <laughs> so um, help, and you can get some mall money, okay? So, uh, or you can you ask for interns to help you, or volunteers. There are people, so don't worry about the money issue. The help help is on the way. Just ask. Uh, my premise here is that uh, the Internet is an opportunity, for, obviously, for great marketing. Um, and a good place to start, of course, is a website. Uh, and, and then also it's for, for maintaining an easier way to outreach to not just people you know, but well beyond that, the, the mysterious millions of people that you'll never know or could, could eventually get to know to build your community. And also to develop a, a more um, dimensional promotional piece for, your, for who you are. So unlike the old days, which is like, you know, six years ago, uh, now there's a lot more possibilities with video streaming and YouTube and audio files. It's, uh, the speed of the Internet is faster, so things can happen. Uh, more information can get on there. Um, one of the things that I wanted to talk about, too, is that is you have to start with that basic question, like, who, who are you as a storyteller? What is, what's the value of who you are? Because that's part of your message. And what you do and how you do it is unique to you. And so you have to get clear with that so that you can create your message so that you could promote your product and your service and you as a storyteller. And then as far as your community, uh, you, 
world to grow this thing? It may seem mysterious and unknown to you, but like for example, you can always start with you know the people in the storytelling community. They're they're the first well, first place to start because they want you to be successful. And then of course all the people that see your shows. Uh, by the way, how many of you after you do a live performance in a real room, real time, ha- carry along a mailing list with you? Great. And how many of you um, leave it passively in the corner? You know, that can't be seen. Good. How many of you actually work the room? Great. So, see, there's still an opportunity to be live in the room. So, work the room, get that mailing list, ask permission. Can I have, you mind if I send you stuff on the internet? And so that way it's kept live, and you then put that into your database, and now you have the beginnings of an online community. Uh, the challenging questions I wanted to ask ourselves and also you, the audience too, is this question about real versus cyber because we are, are we are as performers in a live experience. And so a lot of our essence is about interacting and rapport with the community um, and also even with our marketing. People see it live and then they say, oh, okay, hire this person or you know, check out, go to this library and see them perform. And so in that live context, the question is how do you make that leap and still keep the essence of who we are as human beings that, that thrive on that interaction. Uh, and also with all the, the given cyber community building, there's a lot of networks out there that you can join now, um, you know, MySpace and Facebook and Professional Storyteller. Uh, these are all maybe new to some of you, but you'll hear about them as time rolls on. Um, how do you balance that cyber mind suck that the technology is and being alive in the room you know with audiences and you know, your family and that type of thing because you know when I found out about professional storyteller I thought wow great network great network online oh you have to put a lot of time to figure out how this thing works and how much time you're going to chat with people and put things on postings so it's a big question challenging question and then the question too is how can you use the internet to make money which is part of this thing um Website design. How many of you guys have websites? All hands go up. Almost. Okay. For those hands that didn't go up and uh, want to raise your hand, eventually get a website. It's fun. It's easy. They can just like almost practically pull them out of the box, plunk them in, push the button, and install a template and just plug in the boxes. Uh, you can also get very complex with them. Um, again, it's about defining your purpose as an artist and so that you can create the message that you want to say. And there's a lot of other things you can do to organize your website as a beginner, but really you just have to get clear of how you want your message to be come, how it want it to come across, stating your purpose as a storyteller. And not too much, because it's a visual format, too. It's not just text. And I think a lot of times if you think in your linguistic mind only text, then you're going to be, it's not going to be a very dynamic or exciting website. So you have to think about color and shape and, again, audio or video possibilities with this and make it easy for people to interact with it. So, you know, when you work with your web designer, make sure that your navigational bars, the way people click on them, are easy to see and easy to get back to. If they start going down some branch and some convoluted maze and they get lost, they don't know how to get back to the photos. How do we get a photo of this guy? Make sure that they can find it very easily. Let's see what else here. Yeah, ordering products. We have... um, um pictures of our products and click here or buy now all those kind of buttons can be produced fairly easy so it makes it easy for your your clients to buy we've also experimented with paypal um have you heard of paypal you guys use paypal there you go so we've used it for some of our concerts and events so that people see the event on the website and 
pay now, pay here, and they just click the, the PayPal button. What else? They do charge a fee, so keep that in mind when you're you're selling like a trip to India for thousands of dollars. Okay, uh, cause it could get costly. Um, um, what else here? Uh, oh, so that's it with website stuff. I want to talk really quickly about Skype. How many of you guys have heard of Skype or iChat? How many of you guys use it? Okay, what this is, it's an online way of communicating with people. Uh, uh, it's basically, well, how do you, it's, Skype is like a phone, only you plug it into your laptop, and then it uses the, the Internet to ring a phone, either a real phone, it's like someone's living room phone, or another Skype user who has, you know, it plugged into their computer. And we've used this uh, Skype uh, um, format, and also iChat, which is uh, another format, to not only hear the people you're talking with, but also see them. And so it's a great way to keep your, your long-distance calls down and to organize all your calls by, okay, here's all my clients, here's some future gigs, here's some clients that need to have finished contracts with. So it's all organized. You just click on, uh, on clusters of calls. You've got to tell them how much it costs. Oh, Skype is absolutely, well, it's free if you, oh, no, it's not free. You have to get a trial, and then there's a... Like thirty bucks a year or something for that. Right, and I I talk to my cousin in Italy. Yeah, every month. Yeah. And and all of my cl- uh, when we're doing uh, calls to Asia, we're actually creating video conference calls uh, to India or to our con- uh, other contacts when I'm working with my partners in B- Bellingham, Washington. The other thing I want to put out there too is that if there's anyone here who wants to help us set up a Skype or some kind of like iChat story swap when we're in India. You know, we're going to bring our laptop, the little webcam on there, and we want to. I'm looking for people who have this technology, so we can just, you know, create a gathering in your living room in Iowa, and we'll be opening it up in India and say, "Here we go, wave to the folks in Iowa." So come up to me afterwards if you want to create a swap. Okay, that's it. Wonderful. Thank you. So, Robert reminded me of a really important thing we need to do here in the room. Um, I'm, I'm asking my, telling my guests right now, they don't know I was going to do this to them. Um, you each have the opportunity right now to ask the audience two questions. Robert, you can repeat your questions because I want the online audience and the podcasting audience to hear the answers. So you ask the audience the question and they, how many people have websites, remember? Oh, how many people have websites? So I guess about 20 people. Yeah, 25 out of maybe 40. How many people don't have websites? It's okay. It's all right. It's all right. We love you. <laughs> So eight or nine. That's all right. Okay. Um, I would just like to ask, how many people own a Mac? How many people own an iPod? That's about 15. Whoa, that's many more. 10, 12 people own iPod. Okay. Um, and how many people spend more than an hour a day on the computer? Ah, wait, 90% of the room. Okay. Rachel, any questions? My question is, who considers themselves a techno baby? So about 40% of the room. And who sees themselves as a technolescent? <laughs> a little bit more than a techno baby, but not quite all there. Okay, okay. And who thinks, you're good. You've been keeping up with things. <laughs> ah, that term I actually heard from Lynn Ford, and I asked her, can I say that? Because I love that term. Let's go on to the next question. We're, I want to keep us on a tight schedule. Mary, you got a question for the audience? Before today or before hearing about this conference, how many of you had heard of iTales? 
And how many of you are hesitant to put stories up for fear of recording, or having them being copied, rather, on the Internet? Oh, oh I'm sorry. Um, so it was most, it was like 70% of the room, and then it was just four people who raised their hands. For, thank you. How many people are afraid to use their credit card online? Oh, About that's great people. news. <laughs> <laughs> This is Joyce Slater, and you're listening to the Art of Storytelling with Children podcast. All right. Uh, let's go to Rachel and blogs. Now, Robert talked about websites, and that is a foundation. So for those who don't have a website, I'll just pretend I didn't hear that or see the hands raised. But the next thing is the blog. And all the fun, crazy words that come when this, in this technology age. And actually, blog is actually a contraction of web log. You just take the W-E off and you got oh. blog. And a lot of people use it as an online journal. There is hundreds of, of millions of blogs that are out there. And so it's not a matter of do I want to have a blog, it's how do I have my blog stand out of all these other blogs. And so you have to ask yourself, just like Robert brought up, who are you? What kind of person are you? Are you even a blogger? Because this is one tool. You don't have to do every single technological tool out there. So you have the permission to say no. You have the right to say no. That being said, there are some great things that can happen from blogging. Like I said, I have my own blog that I have had out there since August of 2006. And what I do is I decided to have an article-based feel to it. But you might actually want to have a different feel to your blog. You might want to have something that is more of an editorial type of feel. You might want to have a blog that has more of a personal feel, your travels around as a storyteller. And that would focus really maybe more of your fan base versus the editorial where your purpose is for advocacy. And with mine being article-based, my purpose is more on resources, being there so that people, whether or not they are new to storytelling, they can get some, some, some tips on how to do things. So you need to ask yourself, are you a mixture of those things? Are you one way or the other? If you choose to do the personal route, it's a little tricky because sometimes people have a hard time connecting with you unless you do have something to share, something that you've learned. Unless you are a rock star or something, or, or like Elvis Presley, then whatever you say could be wonderful. But if, if you're not quite to that status, then just think about the little things that you're saying. Now, you might use a blog to even help with your story repertoire. Some people have actually used it to help kick off a book. It starts off as an e-book, they do chapter by chapter with their blog entries. And then eventually, as people start reading and they actually get uh, more and more people excited about it, that may be the time that it's decided to actually be published. So you can actually have a fan base for what you're writing before it's actually out there. 
And so there are many, many people who have done that. If you are a writer, then that is a wonderful thing to do. I actually use blogger.com. It's free, and I love that. There's other ones out there, too. There's wordpress.com, and there's thoughts.com. There's many out there as well, but these are some of the top ones that you can choose from. Again, they are all free. Now, with Blogger, when you actually have a web address with it, you get to choose what it's going to be. So I chose Storytelling Adventures, and it's actually .blogspot.com. So Blogspot and Blogger are connected to each other. So if you actually type in www.blogger.com, there will be a place to sign up, have an account, just basic info, and within two minutes, maybe five, depending on how fast you type, you will actually be officially on the Internet. So if you don't have a website, this is a perfect way to start. But a website is still important, and that is still your foundation. So you don't want to ignore that either. Now with the blog, as you write these different entries and you post them out there, you want to make sure that people know that it's out there. Don't just assume that people can find you. Even as a professional storyteller, you don't want just to assume that people will call you. Now, word of mouth gets out, and that will happen for your blog, too. But why not help it a little bit more? There are places called social network sites, or SNS, and that's a place where a lot of people can put up their profiles. Some examples of this would be Facebook, MySpace, so these are things that, again, millions upon millions of people use. As storytellers, one that's really important to know about would be professional storyteller. And it's actually been so popular that if you Google professional storyteller, it's the first thing that comes up. And that's important to be a part of. Again, free. You can have a profile, and it's free. What I like to do is whenever I post on my own blog through Blogger, I do a condensed version within Professional Storyteller because since my audience, because I talk about how to do certain things in storytelling, it makes a lot of sense for me to put a condensed version within my profile on Professional Storyteller and then have a link so they can get the full amount on my real, normal blog. And you don't have to stop there at Professional Storyteller. Again, think about who you really want to tell stories to and with. Think about your audiences. And I encourage you to think about places beyond the storytelling community. For a, lo a long time, to me it seems that we have put our art in isolation that we have drawn it in so close to our hearts, it's almost as if we're afraid to let go. And we're afraid to connect with other performing artists or even beyond performing artists going actually into the corporate world or the civic world or schools and libraries. Why are we not connecting with them? They have blogs and they have been running for a long time. And what you want to do is to start reading other people's blogs that have your interests that connect with your audience 
and then make some comments. It may just be a, a sentence or two. It's something that maybe once a week you take 10 minutes to do, and it would be enough. And that way, when they get your comment, they will be curious. They will click on your name. They will jump to your blog. They'll read through that and think, this is an amazing person. And you might get some gigs that way. You might forge some partnerships. And if you actually are an advocate, you want things to happen in storytelling, you want to move the movement, then this is a place to get allies. So blogging, whether you are actually wanting it for social reasons, whether you are wanting it for marketing reasons, whether you are wanting it to just take action, that is something that is out there. There's always little add-ons you can put on your blog to make it more exciting for people. I always like to include a picture with every single blog entry. And it might be something of a picture I've taken, or there's actually you know, pictures out there through iStock, a photo iStock that you can use, just to give it a little bit more color. Because, again, if you just have text, that's not going to be any fun. There's so many more, and of course, you can always ask questions about what's out there. But I want to make sure you know about RSS feeds, so that once you have a blog, if people click on a little box that says RSS on it, they will get a notification either in their email or an RSS feeder. Most people like the email, and that way they can keep up whenever you post something. Wouldn't you like to have your very own email list automatic that they'll be notified of your next time you write something important? I have a blog. It's called Dyslexic Storyteller. It's not in any literature, so if you're interested in that sort of stuff, look me up. Google me, Dyslexic Storyteller. I'm the number one dyslexic storyteller in the world. <laughs> not that it matters, but I get emails. I don't get gigs out of it, but I get emails from parents every couple weeks, and they say, you changed my life. I read your blog about your experience of being dyslexic. And I read, it's not something, if you're a school teacher, you might get mad at me reading the site because I'm, you know, I'm raving about my experience in public schools. And I'm talking about how we should reform the system and da-da-da. And that's why it's not really something I normally push in the storytelling community because I don't want to turn off potential gigs. But I, within the dyslexic community, they love me. I mean, they really love me. So I have a personal email service just for people who sign up to that RSS feed. I want to take a moment. I know we're kind of sitting and we're like sitting and listening. It's all heavy stuff. And, you know, we should win something right now. This is Ethnotech. I am Nancy Wong. And I am Robert Kikuchi Ngoho. And you are listening to The Art of Storytelling with Children. Woohoo! The first thing we're going to give away is this CD, Tall Tales of a Dyslexic New Yorker. They're for sale in the back for only $10, normally 15 So we're going to pull out of the hat two names, one for that CD, and, oh, no, she's got... So we have two CDs. We have the Tall Tales of a Dyslexic New Yorker, and we have the Fairy Tales Forever, Volume 1. This is my opus, as they say, you know. This is the work of my life. I spent 10 years on these stories. These are great stories. Willa? And the first name is... Frank... McGarvey from Columbus, Ohio. Frank, come on down. You're the winner on the Art of Storytelling Children. Thank you. 
you. Thank you for playing. Um, Fairy Tales Forever. And the winner is Dustin Lore from Mesa, Arizona. These stories are called by Tim Arnett. He called. He said when he listens with his son, they sat there breathless in the car, and they can't wait for the third one to come out. All right. All right. We're gonna give out some more in a minute. We're gonna raise a little bit of adrenaline here. With the, you know. All right. We're gonna turn this over to Mary. I recently read that the latest rage in Japan is storytelling on cell phones. I thought that was fascinating. Like, is it an audio download? Is it, what is it? So I read on, and I found out that in the first half of 2007, half of Japan's top ten selling works of fiction were composed on a cell phone. So they're actually typing the story in on a cell phone, and then people are paying to download this. And actually, 400,000 people paid to download this. And I thought that's amazing. 400,000 downloads of a texted story. So I thought to myself, what about the potential for downloads of professional, professionally produced audio stories? Couldn't there be more potential? So now imagine if the users of the world's cell phones, MP3 players, all these digital audio players out there had a place to go to get a good quality story, one for any age or interest. And if that story communicated a moral or passed down the legacy of a culture, couldn't that have more potential? I say yes. Who is... Who is using the millions of digital audio players on the market? I am. I'm a user of an iPhone. How many of you have iPhones? A couple. One, two. Um, adults use them, teens, children. You can buy MP3 stereos for your car. You can sit in an MP3 chair. You can lie down with an MP3 pillow at night. You can even cozy up to your favorite MP3 stuffed animal. According to the Audio Publishers Association, this is amazing statistic, Nearly one-third of children ages 6 through 10 are now regular users of a digital audio player. Everybody get that? One-third of children ages 6 through 10 are regular users of a digital audio player. Do any of your children have digital audio players? I found out, Mary, how they're getting them. I found out. The parents are buying new ones and giving the old ones to kids. Exactly. I read the same statistic. And I'm guilty of that. My kids have a a video iPod now that I've upgraded. (laughs) Yeah, these are American kids. So while most digital audio sales are coming from the U.S., the market is going to change. Over the next 10 years, the emerging markets of Japan and India, we're going to see a lot more sales from those markets. The audio publishing market is a $1 billion market, but surprisingly, only... 3.5% of that is actually in digital audio sales. So they're still seeing most sales are in CDs and uh, tapes, but that will change over time. So the growth opportunity for storytelling is tremendous. And big players are starting to notice this opportunity in storytelling. Disney recently purchased FanLib. Have you heard of that site? I hadn't either. Um, But it's an interesting site. It's for fans to go on and create Um, fiction from stories that are already published. So someone might go on and um, be a Harry Potter fan, and they'll take the character of Dumbledore and go on and create their own stories on FanLib. And they're they're written stories, I believe. FanLib, F-A-N-L-I-B. Audible.com also is getting into the um, children's audiobook market. They just launched Audible Kids for um, downloading of audiobooks. 
So storytellers are poised to capture this growing audio market. You have the talent and you have the voices and you have the stories. And with iTales, you have the dedicated um, market and venue to market your stories. iTales.com is an online marketplace for digital audio stories. Storytellers submit their stories from their own home computer. And if you have an issue with um, taking your CD and transferring it to MP3 format, we can do that for you. When you, the story goes on the site, we review it and approve it, and then you get a 40% commission on each paid download. And that's paid on a quarterly basis when your sales reach $25 or more in commissions. I personally review each story before it's activated on the site, and I've had to turn down several <laughs> stories on the site. And actually, Michael McCarty um, was one of the persons who was I spoke to when I was about a year ago about um, the importance of turning down poor quality stories. So what we're really trying to do is um, get good audio quality, good stories, stories that actually make sense. Um, we've had several that um, just aren't good stories that we've turned down. Um, so the goal is really to build a collection of great quality stories. We want people to have the, a good experience so that when they come back, they know that they'll get something of good quality. Um, we talked a little bit about um, the issues of copyrights. And when a story is submitted to iTales, the storyteller keeps the copyright. And Eric, when um, you mentioned that uh, a written story has a, a written story has a copyright. Well, actually, audio produced story also has copyright protection. And we have a, a podcast on our site by a, a leading digital media attorney. Her name is Denise Howell. And um, I recommend that you go to that podcast and, and listen to that if you have any questions about that. Over the last year, we've uh, received uh, hundreds of submissions of stories from some of the world's best storytellers. And most of the storytellers are putting more than one story. So a storyteller might put up 10 or 12 stories, which is great. But what I guess I'm here to say is that it's not enough. We need more. We're really here about content, and, and we need to get more content. So we'd appreciate if you could submit your story online. It, if someone submits to your site, does that mean they can't put it up on iTunes or another site? No, it doesn't preclude you from putting it anywhere else. Um, we're selling your story. You put your story up and you determine the price of the story, and then w the story is an audio file that's downloaded on the site. Does we'll, that answer the question? We'll have a question and answer period at the end, but I can answer that right now. What she's selling is the right to private ownership, um, but understand that the kids today, the right to private ownership includes the right of privately giving it to your friends and their friends and their friends. So just to be clear about what that means, it's not a bad thing. Um, the stories that we put up, it's, it's not like iTunes where there's actual copy protection put into the file. When a, when a, a, a song goes up on iTunes, you're only, I think, able to um, send it to five different people. Um, we do not have a, a technology built into the file to prevent that. So theoretically, someone could make thousands of copies, but I, I guess we have the same perspective that Eric does that that could be a good thing in terms of getting your name out there and getting um, exposure. It's such a, a large audience that you know, a few copies here and there aren't going to hurt you because the audience is so broad. And there's an old Native American saying that it takes a thousand voices to hear a single story, and, and we feel that the storyteller is that story, and that when we have the thousand voices and we have the thousand stories, that, that we'll then have enough content to get the media attention that the storyteller really deserves. 
In the meantime, we're working diligently to prepare the site. I was talking earlier with Kevin about the importance of search engine optimization. Uh, we've hired a company called National Positions. Um, they spend about 200 hours a month just on our site and getting links to our site, um, submitting our keywords for a search engine, and it's starting to make a difference. Now when you go on Yahoo or Google and you type in some of the keywords like MP3 stories, we are ranked first on the list or on Google, we're on the top page. So now more and more of our traffic is coming from natural search listings as opposed to paid pay-per-click advertising, which we're also doing. Uh, we're also adding other features on our site. We have a, a new video feature um, where we're featuring storytellers who are on iTales can send us either a link to their YouTube video or send the video itself to us, and, and we'll feature it on the site for them. And we also have other significant plans in the works. There's some new technology with the iPhone that we're looking into that's really exciting. We talked a little bit about MySpace and um, Facebook and the social networks, and, and they're called social networks. But what I think we can build is, is just as unique and, and potentially even better in a way, and that we're building a societal network because storytellers really communicate the values and morals of our society. And what you're getting is a real voice, not a virtual cupcake. Um, I think there's, um, you know, there's a lot of greatness about those sites, but I think iTales um, can help pass down uh, some of the morals and, um, and share goodness in the world. So thank you. We hope that you'll share your story. So let me tell you a little bit about podcasting. I don't expect in the next nine minutes that I'm going to give you the technological skills to actually have a podcast, except... If you went to Lipson.com, you could have a Lipson, L-Y-B-S-N, I think. That sounds right. Lipson.com. If you went to Lipson.com right now and you had your CD, your storytelling CD, and you wanted to give it away free to the world, you'd pay them $5 a month and you'd put it up and it would go up ad-free and you could just do it. Just like using an email account, it would just give you the instructions and you'd put it up and they would give you the RSS address. You mentioned the RSS file thing. They give you that address, that file, and you send it to all your friends, and they can listen to your CD. Lipson.com, L-Y-B-S-N. I was planning on saying it, so I didn't research it. I mean, I didn't, I didn't look it up for you. Look, if you're a storyteller, you want to expose new people to storytelling. What is the Internet? It is the ultimate tool in exposing as many people as possible to your storytelling. It has no barrier, none, except perhaps for class be quite honest. Because people who are poorer and don't have computers may not be as internet savvy, but honestly, in the American system, we have this wonderful thing called the public library. And they use the public libraries to listen to things, to do things. I go in there and I ask them about the, about the usage. So we have a device, a tool, and, and nothing against any presenters in the room, but we have a tool that makes presenters and even our organization, obsolete. Because we don't need anyone else to spread the word for us. Now, it would be wonderful if they did, because they have this wonderful inertia and this wonderful system already in place, but the Internet is overturning all of that. I went to a conference two months ago in Ohio called PodCamp Ohio. That conference had, it had organizers, but the organizers didn't do any paperwork. Because everything was automated online. The organizers didn't have, there wasn't a keynote. 
There was just there was no review of presentations. You went into the presentation. If you didn't like it, you left. You walked with your feet in and out. There's no review of the quality, kind of light. You walk in the ice cream and say, "Oh, check that one out." It is changing the way we organize our society, and the way that we as storytellers can take advantage of this window of opportunity, which is going to last for the next hundred years, I think. We take advantage of this window of opportunity is we can decide what portions of our content we are not attached to protecting anymore. Sometimes I think of storytellers, I imagine a story of a dragon that's sitting on its eggs. And it takes the eggs out and says, look at this one. It's so pretty. Look, isn't it pretty? And the person says, ooh, can I take that home and give it to my friends? No, it's mine. (laughs) My golden egg. And as someone was just saying a a couple hours ago, somebody said, you know, you know, these stories are the same all over the world. The only thing we really own, the only thing we really own is our take on the story. Now, I know in the national movement there was some copyright disputes and issues about jacktails and da-da-da, and that's the exception, not the rule. Right? The rule is that we don't own it. So why not establish ourselves in the wider world? Why not put ourselves out there in the wider world and draw an even bigger audience? Because, you know, there are 300 million people in this country and 300-something came here today, right? I want there to be 3,000 people come to this conference. And I see absolutely no reason there shouldn't be 3,000 people at this conference. The only thing that's limiting us is our own limitation that we accept. And I say that to the kids... But I'm realizing more and more it also applies to me. You know, I find, I keep thinking, I, every, every decade, anybody else have this happen to me? Every decade I think, I have finished all my limitations. I am, I am not going to hold myself back. And then five years later I go, oh man, oh, I didn't think of that. You know, I just, oh, I could just tell you story after story of how I said five years later, oh, I could have asked for that person for help. Or I could have gone up to those people. And those people were actually... They really liked me. I just didn't know. I didn't ask them. I thought they didn't like me. You know, it goes on and on like that. Opportunities I let slip through my fingers. Well, here's the thing. This podcast has changed my world. I get calls from. I have. I'm first name basis with platform storytellers around this country, you know, and and they talk to me about their business and I talk to them about my business and it changes my relationship. Right? It changes my relationship with my audiences. I do a performance and I say, I have this Fairy Tales Forever podcast. They go on it, they listen, and they go, wow, I like that one. I didn't hear that one. They call me. They say, hey, I want you to come back and do the one on the podcast. You know? My friend Baba in LA, he does a show and he says, oh, by the way, I have these stories on sales. Sorry for the heresy here with iTales. I have, a show, I have these CDs on iTunes. And... He has kids in the audience of these, uh, of these very affluent schools whip out their iPhones and buy the MP3 files in front of him while he's performing. Right? Now, I really asked him, come on, really, how many really do that? He said, well, right now, if there's 100 kids in the audience, three of them will do it. So if there's 300 kids, it's nine of them. Now, you know, I have product on the table and that's extra money I can take home and it's really exciting and really, you know, really thrilling to me. But I love the idea of selling product and I don't have to actually produce it, right? Part of that is earning trust. How do we earn trust? We have good examples of our work. 
And that's what podcasting is. It's creating a relationship. That's what good business is. It's creating a relationship. And if you're serious about your business, I know that's a dirty word sometimes for storytellers, but if you're serious about being recognized for your art form, then you have to, absolutely have to, have a podcast. Or if you don't have a podcast, you have to be on someone else's podcast. <laughs> so to, to all the, uh, the people listening, I just pointed at myself. But the, the point is that we as storytellers have something to offer the world. We have gems and gold. We have diamonds. And we're so busy making sure our diamonds are safe that nobody sees them. I saw a beautiful storyteller at... God, I get teary. I just think about it. I don't cry much, so I'm not, I'm not really... This is the closest I get to crying. So <laughs> I was at the Ohio... Anybody else here at the Ohio Oops Gathering? Who was the guy who got up and talked about how he he'd lost his stories? There was a gentleman who got up the night before Oops. I don't know his name. He got up and he talked about how he had a stroke. And he talked about how he lost everything that mattered to him. I don't know. It's okay. Let's keep his name private in case he's... He doesn't want us to discuss it. But the point is, those stories that he so was careful with and, and, and you know, protective of and who he told them to and who he recognized, they're gone forever. So to me, it's like, get it out. Now, honestly, do I put everything up? No, I don't. You know, that CD back there, they're copyrighted. If you put them, I find them on your site, I'm going to sue you. But if you go to Fairy Tales Forever, it's called Creative Commons. Creative Commons 3. You have the right to have it. You have the right to pass it along as long as it's not commercial and not derivative, meaning not sliced up and diced in some way, or not put into something else without my permission. So you can take that file that's on my Fairytales Forever, and you can give it to your kids. Say, here. You can give it to all your friends. You can go to your shows and say, I got this other storyteller. Listen to him. That'd be great, man. So <laughs> you can burn a CD with that of other storytellers. There's a great podcast out, The Moth, right? The Moth calls me for technical advice. I got their permission to say that. They, when they have a technical problem, they call me. Right? I got other storytellers who I can't say that about. Who'd call me? Who you'd know if I said that, but I can't say that. So <laughs> the moth calls me. And you, everybody here has to listen to the moth podcast. Required homework. Go home, go on iTunes, type in the moth, listen to it. It's amazing stuff. It's for our age group. It's amazing stuff. I think I've gone over my nine minutes. <laughs> so to wrap up real quick. Podcasting. Fred has to go. No, no. Wrap up my talk so Fred can go. Um, Fred is... Well, just to wrap up my podcasting thing. You can have a podcast. I have an email e-course free at storytellingwithchildren.com backslash podcast. And on these cards, on the back, I'm going to pass these out. On the back is that e-course. It's a very advanced e-course. It's for people who are seriously technically interested in podcasting. However, it's also designed for people who aren't as interested technically, who are more interested in just like getting an overview. So you can do, you can do the technical course, read the stuff, not understand it, and go on the next email and get something else out of it. So I'm just going to pass this around. So um, I took the e-course. I'm taking the e-course now and actually have been in coaching since with Eric. And I've, I've been working on my podcast. And if I could just play 20 seconds so people who have never heard of podcasts, it's still oh, abstract. He made one. He went to show off. So I'm going to show it. This is what a podcast can be to millions of people, kids in your audiences. You pass out your email, your site, and...
This is Ethnotech's podcast, Once Upon a Time, Episode Zero, our very first podcast. Hello, I'm your host, Robert Kikuchi and Goho of Ethnotech, and you're listening. So, blah, 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 but the point is, is that you can put any kind of content on your, on your podcast. All of this stuff, the sound, the voices, stories, uh, when your next gig is, all that was created on this laptop in a hotel when I was on tour. And so you can launch this stuff no matter where you are, um, in between boiling the water or, you know, working on it. So it's very so accessible. Here's the key idea. In the new economy, and everybody in podcasting is talking about this is the idea in podcasting. In the new economy, content generators are kings and queens of the world. And guess what storytellers are? We are born and bred content generators. So they stole story X. Well, guess what? After X comes Y. And they got to buy Y. And if they steal it, you're going to sue them this time because you got the copyright protected in the right way because you learned your lesson. It's called a renewable resource. Right. It's so sustainable. We, we are a renewable resource, and you have the ability to create new stories. This fairy tale set, this is fairy tale two. Notice the pattern? One, two, threes in the box coming out next week. You know what I'm saying? After that's four, they're all related. The example we should be following the storytelling movement is old-time radio. Right? Old-time radio. Cliffhangers at the end, but the story finishes, but it's still a cliffhanger. That's the example. I, one of my favorite podcasts I listen to is the Old-Time Radio Network. Let's do two drawings right now right. for this CD, Fairy Tale 2. Sarah Armstrong of Berkeley, California. There you go, Sarah. Thank you, Michael. Now, these two CDs are $20 each because of production costs. This one is... Peace Tales for Educators, Volume 1, Aesop's Freedom. Fifteen minutes of commentary on the issues of power and slavery, and these stories only relate to freedom and power and slavery within the Aesop tradition. All right. This is Tricia. You're from Lansingburg, Michigan. That would be me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. He's listening to the art of storytelling with children. Yeah, he's listening to the art of storytelling with children. Pardon me, but you are listening to the art of storytelling with children. And I hope you all stay tuned. This is Judith Black. Fred has kindly agreed on short notice to brace Karen, and I'm really glad to have him on the panel. Fred Crow is 58, lives in Ireland. He runs a successful internet business, www.speechwriters.com with a slash. Let me do that again. www.speech-writers.com with his wife. They provide instant available speeches for weddings, birthdays, etc. He started developing websites in 1995 and includes Microsoft as one of his clients. He's a founder member. Sorry, he's a founding member of the Irish Internet Association. Um, Fred here came with a, another storyteller. You may see him around, international storyteller uh, from Ireland. Uh, thank you so much, Fred, for coming on. Thank you. Um, as Eric said, I, I'm here at the last minute, so in the first place, I'm not a, I'm, I don't actually speak in public very much. My wife is the main speechwriter in our business. I don't speak. But I thought I'd just make a few general points, a few observations, and a few comments. Um, first of all, just briefly describe my business and, and how we got started. 
Um, we started in 1995 when I had a business that went bust about two years before that, and I desperately needed something to do to try and earn some money. And I saw the internet coming along and said, geez, this looks really, really interesting. And I would stand up in a group like this in 1995 in Ireland and say to people, have you ever heard about the internet? And how many people have an email address? And I, you, nobody, I mean, very few people. I mean, I, I presume a lot of you, most of you people didn't have an email, email address in 1995 or even maybe in 2000 in many cases. So we, and my wife at the same, so I, I started getting involved in the internet and started developing websites. First website I designed was to sell shamrock, living growing shamrock for St. Patrick's Day. And we sold thousands of them all over the world. I was on CNN, I was on NBC, uh, and I was on CNN and NBC too late to sell Shamrock because I was on, on Pat St. Patrick's Day and that was too, it was gone and finished. So I had a few little ideas like that and then at the same time my wife decided I, she could sell, I, could, I could write speeches for weddings and sell them at wedding fairs in hotels. And she'd never, she, didn't, she was a freelance writer, she'd never worked as a writer and she certainly had no, uh, no notions and ideas about selling. And... Um, we, so she sold, wrote a lot of the speeches for Father the Bride, Best Man, Father the Groom, five, four or five speeches in each case. And so she was selling those at wedding fairs, photocopy and handing out prints. And we advertised on the newspapers. But the biggest break we got was we were on the national radio one day, a radio station that one, a quarter or a third of the population listened to at two o'clock every day. And it's a talk show. And... and they rang, a priest rang up the show and said, um, we, I think speeches should be banned at weddings because I, all the fathers of the bride, they hate having to go to weddings. And I think in this country, everybody seems to be a natural speaker. Everybody loves to, to speak. Never mind you lot, storytellers. Everybody generally can speak. And uh, so my, my daughter, who's much more flamboyant and, um, and outgoing, she rang up the show and said, we want to complain about this priest trying to ruin our business. <laughs> and oh, she just wants to get on the radio show. So, but then they, w they weren't having my daughter. So they spent three days trying to persuade my wife to go on the national radio show. I said, okay, I'll go and I'll read one of my speeches and I can be judged on that. For 18 months after that, people would ring that show. Every day we would get, for, it, it, it slowed off a bit, but every day people would ring and say, oh, remember that? person you had on about speech writing uh, etc can you give me the phone number so to this day they still know they still know us and to this day we still get 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 phone calls and uh, we um, even a guy rang about six months ago and said uh, are you the ones that were on the radio a few years ago about speech writing this is 1995 so but that, that's just a story about our business so so she started writing speeches and I said I started developing websites so I built a company early in 95 96 and we were building websites for everybody including Microsoft the Irish tourist board and all sorts of companies in Ireland and internationally and so I said oh, we will set up a website but for five years we didn't sell anything and we sold very very little and I'd say you're probably going through the same experience today you know it's it takes time for sites to build up and to, and to sell we were five years before we'd sell anything. Eventually, at one stage, uh, wife would say, oh, I got an order today. Fantastic. In those days, I think it was about, we started about seven, seven or I think about ten, ten dollars. And we, we, so we, we now have four and a half thousand individual speeches, poems, and we view other things like an MC's guide, uh, master of ceremonies guide, things like that. We have a few standard letters, but mainly it's speeches with eight different languages. 
we've and I said we launched a Japanese site a few days ago and we've a guy in Japan uh, who's helping us put up the site we've a guy in Japan who is writing who's written all the speeches because all our other speeches that we've written in English have just been translated with minor localization into German and, and French and uh, Spanish and Portuguese and with people in different countries doing the work for us that's the great thing about the internet the girl in Washington is my French translator now she's a natural French speaker I have a girl in, in Guatemala who is my Dutch translator. She's a Dutch national. I have a girl in Brazil, and I think she's dumped me recently. I think she has triplets, so she found it too busy. So she does the Portuguese side. So I have pe- company in India who do my search engine marketing. I, do, I have a company in England who's been uh, India have done my software development. I'm about to dump them in favor of a company in California because the Indians were a disaster. Uh, I, I, we use people all over the world and I'm, I'm, I work in, in a back garden in three miles from the city centre of Dublin and uh, so somebody, as aside, somebody asked my daughter what does your father do and she said oh, I don't know, he goes out to the shed every morning at nine o'clock comes back in about six o'clock in the evening nobody knows what he does out there all day <laughs> <laughs> conscious of all sorts of images of me locked in, me locked in this little wooden shed but I work seven days a week. I've been answering emails um, across in, in my hotel. Um, we, it's, it's great fun. I can work seven days a week and I can work one day a week. Uh, I, we have a, oh yeah, we've, on our site you'll see a toll-free number. An eight, I think it's 1877. Is that toll-free? Yeah. Anyway, it's a toll-free number, which is mainly for, for the U.S. market because 67% of our business is, is in America. American companies, just to give some idea of the numbers, Last year, three million unique visitors visited our, 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 our just our, I think that's just our, our English site. Um, we have thousands every day visiting our site. Every, every, every day. Every time we get an email, every time we get a, an order, I get an email. I get about three emails. The one first email it says "Money in the bank," and it's absolutely fantastic. You know, so they're coming in. Sometimes I could get twenty an hour. Sometimes I could get none for an hour. We we recently introduced PayPal. The customer orders a set of speeches. And they just the speeches are emailed to them instantly. Uh, and the, I don't know what do you sell that? Do, do your do your stories go out instantly to? Um, yes, they download them instantly. Yeah. But we yeah. just click and buy. But we're considering moving to PayPal. Yeah. It's just so many more people are on PayPal. Yeah. I think it's probably a good idea to, to, to use both. We on we introduced PayPal about three or four weeks ago, and already about 25% of our customers um, use email. I was delighted when only three people, when I asked a question earlier about who's worried about giving their credit card, uh, only three people put up their hands because for years that's been a problem. People have this idea. They'll ring me, give me their credit card, they ring me in Dublin. First of all, they don't know where the hell I am because they ring an 18. If they rang the number, they could come through to Ireland. I could be in India. I could be anywhere. They give me their credit card. I just go online and key the bloody credit card in as if, as if they were doing. And I'm, so I say that to people. But in terms of just technology, we never answer the phone. We never, we, because of the time difference, we could have people, uh, people calling. My wife t- tells the story of somebody rang up one day and I'm, we're in the dining room she's in the kitchen and somebody rings up from America and says, hi, could I speak to somebody from your technical department please? <laughs> oh, hang on, your friend's come for you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what was I going to say? So, um, we uh, oh yeah, the, the, way our, the way our telephone answers, and it's maybe a bit dishonest, but, but uh, the call goes through the call is forwarded. When you, if you rang the number now, the call is forwarded to a Skype, a Skype. Uh, it's it's forwarded to a Skype uh, address, 
And if the Skype account is turned off, it actually goes to a recording. Say, sorry, we're not here to take your call at the moment. That recording is then emailed to me and my daughter who works for us and a girl in Italy who's my PA. And so the three of us can then respond to the call. So we'd either return the call within five minutes or depending on the time zone and the time difference, it could be a a few hours. And it's great to get back to somebody. And when when, when when they hear my accent... And they, they see, and they say, why, why, why? and we often say, where, you know, they'll say, where are you from? Well, they just can't believe it when we tell them we're in, we're, we're in Ireland. Some of them want to put down the phone immediately because they think, Jesus, this must be costing me a fortune. <laughs> Even though they've, they've dialed, a, in the originally they've dialed the to- toll-free number. We actually ring them back using Skype. Because Skype, we do some talk here about whether Skype costs money. Skype, computer to computer, is free. But Skype, I can call a number in the U.S. from Ireland, and it costs me less than two cents per minute. Now, if you call me in Ireland from here, it probably cost you a dollar a minute. And if I use my cell phone to ring home from here, it would cost me about two dollars a minute. Skype to Skype is, is fantastic and, and is cheap. But anyway, I'll just, uh, there are a few other few thoughts that I, 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 I just, I'm going to share with you as well. Uh, they're, they're, they're not in any particular order. An email signature. Everybody here has an email address, but I strongly recommend that every time you send out an email, it should have what's called a signature file down. on the end of it. Everybody, write that down. It's, it's very important, and it's the simplest way of marketing yourself. If you use Hotmail or Google, look at the options or ask somebody or the preferences. And what you can do is you can set it up so that every email that goes out that has your phone number, has your email address, has your website address. It can even, I think, have a photograph of you. Or whatever, or you have the message that you want to say. It could be I'm telling in you know Tennessee on, on the you know fifth of July or whatever. So it, so an email signature file is a simple way of of promoting yourself. Secondly, just to repeat what everybody else has said, Blogspot is absolutely dead simple to have your own blog. If you can use Microsoft Word and you can send an email, you can have a blog and you can set it up in ten minutes. If we had a computer here, we could have everybody here, people, well, it would take five minutes for each person. You can set up a blog so easily, and it's a great way to get into the technology. And you don't have to, it doesn't have to be the most sophisticated blog in the world initially. Initially, you can just set up a blog, and it's, it's a website. So you can, you can have your own website, marysmith at blog.blogspot.com, whatever. Very, very, very simple, very easy to do. Um, another of the... Uh, you can, set it, you can have your own domain name. I know the gentleman in front of me has what I would regard as an unusual name, so there may not be a no, not another rich... Noblick? Noblick. So you could go and have you your own domain name? Like ericwolf.org, for example? Yeah, or I have... You, I mean, you can find, me, find my website. It's, Eric was having problems with the domain name. It's speech-writers.com is the main site. Hmm. But we actually bought speechwriters.com for $10,000 in, ni- in the year 2000, from some guy, speechwriter in the U.S., because we thought that we, we really should have the speechwriters.com and the speech-writers.com, but we actually don't really use the speechwriters.com. But, like for situations like this, if you send me an email, fred at speechwriters.com, I'll get it. Fred at speech-writers.com, I'll get it. Also, I have www.fredcrow.com, uh, because people say, what's your website? Is it speech is this? Is it hyphen? Just say Fred, www.fredcrow.com. We'll this, get is you. A, this is actually a really important issue because um, like ericwolf.com is owned by a real estate guy in Atlanta. You know? yeah. So every once in a while people will type in wolf at Eric. That's why I have wolf at the beginning of my email. Wolf at ericwolf.org because if I had Eric, it would go to him in Atlanta when, when you type in the .com wrong at the end. 
So when you type in wolf at ericwolf.com, it comes back to you. It says, no such address. So then you call me and say, I can't get you know, And I say, no, it's .org. Um, and it's, just, it's really important that you pick a URL that accurately reflects your business and is short. It's just really... Keep going, Fred. Sorry. Oh, one more can minute. Can I just make one more comment on that and give him the extra minute? Yeah. Um, iTales also has you know, probably 100 different URLs that we are referring to iTales, including eTales.com that we spend a significant amount of money on. Um, so we're getting more traffic that way as well. So if any of you want to have your own domain name, one of the places to go to is a site with a stupid name, and it's called GoDaddy.com. So GoDaddy.com, you can have your own domain name, uh, this gentleman got his own domain name. That's where I got my domain name. And you can, they have various tools which allow you to set up your own site, website. Now, they're a little bit more complex than, uh, than, than the Blogspot. But certainly the Blogspot, at the risk of repeating what everybody else said, it's dead easy, dead simple. And go and try it tomorrow. It doesn't cost anything. You can decide, do it, and dump it the next day. You don't, I've set up half a dozen blogs for my kids to try and get them going. None of them could be bothered. And so they've given it up. I said, so my daughter, when you're, when you're, my granddaughter was born, I said, why don't you set up a blog for your granddaughter? So in 20 years' time, you'll have photographs and images and visits and comments, and it'll be a wonderful diary for a child to look at in 20 years' time to see all the things that happened in, in, in her life. And that's, so that's another simple, personal way of, 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 having, of having a blog. If you are going to set up your own website, the, it's very important to have, um, it's very important that you promote the website. It, 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 some people are going to do that more than others, and it, it can be simple and it can be complicated. But just, I use, I use, there are places where you can find companies. Finish up. I'm Irish, I'm allowed a bit more. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's called, we call it at home the gift of the gab. I'm, I'm, uh, um, there's, there's, there's a site that I use called getacoder.com or guru.com, yeah, and there good. are thousands of people all over the world who are dying to work for you. And the ones in India and China will work for, for buttons. Getacoder.com. If you're looking for a translator, I was looking for a Japanese person. The guy I was mentioning in Japan last week, I didn't know him a week ago. On Tuesday morning, I went looking for somebody to answer emails from a Japanese website because the girl who, who, uh, who, who's doing it, she, she's disappeared on me for some strange reason. It's her birthday today, so, uh, which Skype told me. But she... I found him within, within I, I said I put on this side I'm looking for a translator and within three hours I had three people applied I picked one guy one guy quoted me uh, X rate and I said no I, that's too dear he said okay I'll do it for half that you're on I said and by the following morning at nine o'clock he was working for me and he fantastic he spent he lives in Tokyo he's he's a semi-employed in Mon because he has tuberculosis and he's lived in England for 10 years, so he speaks English perfectly. His Japanese is perfect. This is very advanced stuff. Maybe 20% of, of the listening audience will be able to use it. But it's just a great example of how the global economy is really changing the nature of business. Um, Fred, last thing? Um, I think I've said enough. Okay. <laughs> um, never. The Irish can never say enough. I just want to thank... I want to thank Fred again for coming on the panel on such short notice. You know, I, I had dinner with him last night and talked him into this. So I have a few minutes for questions. That mic is right there. If we could turn that mic on, uh, feel free to come up. Uh, Doug was first. He had his hand up. Doug, say your website. Uh, DougElliott.com. All right. <laughs> two L's and two T's. Problematic. Um, let's see. 
hearing about blogs. Okay, so I have a website, very nice website, has a little has a little button that says news and stories. So theoretically, I add to it just what it seemed to me the same material you'd have in a blog. Well, that is what we did the other day. Your web designer adds it for you to the website. Right. I just say add that to me. Yeah. Yeah. And um, what's different between that and a blog? That's probably I can probably just settle down on that. What's nice about a blog is that people can interact with you. And the more that they can interact with you, they get to know you better, and you all of a sudden built up a fan. And uh, Tim Araneta, a wonderful storyteller, he has a great blog called uh, Breaking the Eggs. And Breaking Eggs. Breaking the Eggs. It's actually storytelling.blogspot.com. And he puts a lot of material out there. People can respond to it, and there's an energy that happens. With a website, um, they could still email you, but no one in the world will know that. You won't have a conversation going. And... You know, Tim Araneta, he's the one who really pushes you got to have a fan base. you got to build it up. And it's okay. Storytellers are allowed fan bases just like any rock star or just like anyone else. I'd say it's sort of like a, a bulletin board that's public that people can walk by and say, oh, Doug Ellis has some news about, you know, mushrooms that are growing this season. So then he writes his statement and then someone else walks by and goes, oh, mushrooms, I like mushrooms. Hey, Doug, tell me what you know about this. And then Joe comes by or Jane comes by, oh, well, I heard about this growing in this other valley. So it becomes a very active social energy like Rachel was talking about. One quick note, very important if you haven't already done this. You need to have more than one domain name, especially if your name is problematic in spelling. So have it spelled with the one L and the two T's. Have it spelled with the two L's and the one T, all of those, because you do not want someone to be working hard to find you. So that's just a quick tip. And that's, that's 30 bucks a month per... No, no, it's... No, it's only probably about $10 a year. Yeah. Now, there's another really useful thing about blogs. Look, Google, I am, you know, I am just totally into Google and Google love. So if... We in the storytelling movement could do such a better job of getting Google love. And what I mean is we need to build links, hyperlinks, that's the HTTP, www, your website, between our websites, right? Now, I'm not going to put it in my, don't be emailing me and saying, put me in your recommended, no, no, the people in my recommended column are people who've done me personal favors or affected my work. But on my dyslexic storyteller blog, you just email me and say, put me on your list and boom, you're there. You know, so what I'm saying is if you go on storytellingwithchildren.com, there's a place to make a comment. In the comment box, it says, put your website. Storytellingwithchildren.com has a page rank of four in Google. Fred's website has a page rank of four, too, right? This is a, this is a high ranking. It's rare in the storytelling movement. If you go on and make a comment on my blog and participate in the community, guess what happens? You get a link back to your site. Google knows that you're important in the word storytelling. The storytelling name. I also want to mention, if you have topics, I wrote an article on poetry slams versus story slams. And what did I do as soon as I posted it? I went to gotpoetry.com. I went to all other types of poetry sites, and I commented on their blogs. And that's the one I had the most comments on. And all of a sudden, I had more people having that RSS feed wanting updates of my blog. And that works both ways. So let's take another question to just change the topic a little bit. 
Michael D. McCarty, HalfMouthWillRunIt.com. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure um, <laughs> it's the truth. Um, I want to make a comment. I want to say that encourage people to embrace this technology, to make the leap. The fact that we're here means that we're willing to do so. But we're going to talk. I'm going to put my power of love story on your site. Okay, we're going to do that. Um, I have been very fortunate with technology and things. Uh, I'm on um, YouTube. I didn't do nothing. I was doing a story for someone up in the Bay Area, and they said, can we record this story and put it on YouTube? I said, sure. And they did it. How many hits? I don't know, but people are coming up to me saying, I, hear your st- I heard your story on YouTube. I heard your story on YouTube. Now, for those of you who do not know, I have a car with over 300 bumper stickers in L.A. that you, you ride around, you see me, Stevie Wonder can see my car. <laughs> this woman at a Whole Foods parking lot was looking at my car. She said, can I put my, your car, pictures of your car, on my website? I said, sure. I've been getting emails ever since. I went to the site. There are all these comments that have come and people contacting me about storytelling because of somebody saying, can I do this? So the answer is, oh, yeah, embrace it. I testify. This is Rachel Hedman. You're listening to the Art of Storytelling with Children podcast with Brother Wolf, who, by the way, I co-wrote a free e-course with, College Big Cats Tracking and Captioning and Performance, where we help storytellers sell themselves to college venues. So sign up www.storytellingwithchildren.com backslash college. Now back to the show. Tim Lowry, storyteller, timlowry.com. Everybody's talked about using the Internet as a way to deliver stories. I wonder if any of you have had any experience with using the Internet to tell stories. Uh, using the technology to tell a story in a way that could not be done by a human being. I ask that because I stumbled on a project that was just absolutely marvelously mind-blowing called We Feel Fine. There's a website called The Story of Stuff. That's a great example of that. Uh huh. You can you can find a, a lecture about We Feel Fine on www.ted.com. TED stands for Technology, Education, and Design. Once a year, 1,000 great thinkers, movers, and shakers in technology, education, and design are given 20 minutes to talk. And uh, the designer of We Feel Fine gave a presentation. Time does not afford me to talk all about it, but you really should check it out. It's absolutely amazing. All right. Thanks. Um, Put the microphone. I, I should have said this earlier when there were more people in the room, but my, my f- I'm here with a f- friend, Michael McCarthy, who's a, an Irish storyteller, and we're actually working on, on, on a project at the moment. We've, uh, we, we, we've registered the name or bought the name, domain name, storytellingonline.com, and we're, we thought we'd have something ready for, for this particular conference to, to have a site that's live. So the site is not live today, uh, but it will be live shortly. And the first offering on that site is going to be a storytelling competition where, where somebody can, can, can log on to the site and actually record directly onto, onto a recorder on the site without having to download anything. So record directly onto the site 
and enter, enter this competition. Now, if you'd like to remember two things, number one, the domain name is, the site is going to be www.storytellingonline.com and when you gonna, if you get onto the site in about a week or two and you'll see, you can see the site, you can actually enter the competition which is going to be free for a while um, and the, the, you can use the following coupon to, to enter, it'll ask you for a coupon and you, if you enter into the coupon it's I-N-A-U-G-1, so inaugural one competition. So I-N-A-U-G and the number one will be a coupon that will allow you to, to enter the competition. The competition Fred, will allow you to record up to 15 minutes. Fred, we gotta, let's take one last question. We've got a desperate hand here. Rifka Wellick, simply extraordinarytales.com or RifkaWellick.com. My question is actually a fear. And no one's expressing it, so I'm going to express it. Mm -hmm. Storytelling is, I think, one of the most intimate ways we can communicate, especially with primarily with live audiences. I often say it's the most intimate way of getting close to someone without exchanging body fluids. So my question is, if we go online, we don't have that interaction. And storytelling, I know, it was originally asked and it was not dealt with at all. So I'm going to... It was asked at the beginning, now it's asked at the end. We're, we're trading off. A storyteller knows that when you work with an audience, you feed off the audience, and the audience is giving you the story. You, we don't read from a script. We're live, totally fresh, and the audience gives us. Every time I face an audience, my story's going to change because the audience is with me. If they're not with me, the story's going to go flat. I'm very fortunate. When I tell the stories, the story keeps growing because my audience keeps growing. Live, right while I do it. When we're doing it online, we're trading off that. And I have a fear. I have no fear about blogs, no fear about websites. But the idea of having storytelling grow to a size that we can access it and maybe never have live connections, the audience, not so much the teller. Just want to put that out and see if you have that fear. Yeah, there is the there's the concern about like say copyright or someone might try to steal your story, but you know as you know as an artist you have a, an infinite amount of creativity in you and an infinite amount of possibilities with creating stories. So if you have a hundred stories or a thousand stories, and you know that five years from now you probably have you know a couple hundred more, that or you could just create a small story so you can give this one away. It, but you can't be afraid. You, you can be afraid of it, or you can embrace it. It's sort of like you have a CD. Do you have a CD? Right? So you have a recording. You don't mind giving that away. That's static. It stays the same for thousands of years. It's very different than your live performance. And I think people know the difference. I mean, they will come to live performance. But I want to anyway. answer your question also. Um, in the podcasting world, they talk about podcasting as the new intimate medium. You're not in this space. You're not like on radio or in the car. You're in their ears. They put the earbud in and you are in their brain. What other art form is that like? Storytelling. So what art form is perfectly poised to completely own the podcasting universe? It's storytelling, not reading from a book. You know, we are so much more, you know, not to put down those who read from books for a living, but we are so much more just positioned to own that marketplace. I'm afraid that we're out of time, so before we end, I am pleased to tell you that even though Karen Hensley says, How did he get in here? Every time he hears me say it, this is Brother Wolf, 
And you are listening to the Art of Storytelling Children, recorded live at the National Storytelling Network. This guest has written a post for the blog at www.storytellingwithchildren.com. You can make a comment or ask a question in the blog comment box about this discussion. If you wish to join a future discussion live on the call, go to www.storytellingwithchildren.com and sign up to the email alerts to receive future notices of shows. This show was conceived, hosted, and produced by me, Eric Wolf. And to support the show, you may learn more about my storytelling work by going to www.ericwolf.org. The music was created by Mary Kay Croft, and we are much indebted to her contribution. This podcast is the responsibility of Brother Wolf Storytelling and is distributed under a Creative Commons non-derivative license. That means you can copy it and give it away, but you can't edit it or sell it. Thank you so much for listening. As my granddad told a tale about